0: i more educated on this topic than I am, and uh, I also understand that there are many, many questions in this area, on uh, this, this subject, this topic. And But I think that this is an important topic for us to address, and I look forward to doing it together with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Steve, myself, and Pete, and, and possibly Richard, I haven't talked to Richard about this, but we as pastors, we've been getting all kinds of questions about 2012. People want to know, is 2012 the end? December 21st, 2012, I believe. That's when the Mayan calendar ends and then everybody's, this is it. Man, I hope they're right, because I wouldn't mind leaving. And so I look forward to diving into this with you. And we just want to open up and just pray one more time and just ask for God's leading as we as we open up the Scriptures to see what Scriptures have to say to us this morning. Father God, I come to you uh, anticipating that again you will speak. And so Lord, I pray that you would say much more than even what my words are here today. Holy Spirit, you can speak into the hearts of people. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go among us, And later on, as people listen to this, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to whoever hears this sermon, and that what you want said is what is heard and what is said. In your name I pray, amen. One of the things about the end times, people are fascinated with this subject, and people find themselves very curious and And they begin to gravitate towards almost anything that speaks about it. And that's why right now you have a lot of people diving into this 2012 thing and and wondering what does it say. And so what I want to do today is I'm not going to give you any kind of prophetic kind of message. Trust me, at the end of this you will probably, some of you are going to say, Man... I am no closer to knowing when the end comes. And I really actually hope that that's the goal of my sermon here, is to make sure that you're not like, wow, Ike said it's going to be this and this day, because that's not at all the case. But I believe Jesus had some very clear things for us to understand. And so I'm going to approach this subject today, as I normally like to try to do, with a little bit of a slant, a little bit of a different angle. Because I think sometimes when we look at this subject, we get completely just determined that we're just going to try to figure out when is it going to happen. As a matter of fact, I don't think that's the point of Scripture at all. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. And we're just going to read through this entire chapter, 51 verses. And so we got to get going. And so turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. It will also be on the screen, but I would love for you to follow along. And maybe this is something that you can read um, for yourself later on as well. Verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him, and they called his attention to its building. Now, you've got to understand, and I have never been to see this temple myself, but I've seen pictures, this temple was an enormous structure. And so I can guess that his disciples are probably saying to Jesus, check out these pillars, check out these walls, this is a huge, huge building. And then Jesus says this to them, do you see all these things? Well, obviously they did, because they were you know, pointing attention to it. He asked them, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Now that's a bit of a statement for Jesus to make once they've said, like, check out this place. And and Jesus kind of turns it around and says, yeah, but it's going to get destroyed. And so that raises some questions for them. And so here are the questions. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? There you have it. The first time that I see in Scripture where this question is asked that directly, where people come up to Jesus and say, okay, tell us the truth. When are you coming back? And how are we going to know? What are the signs that we're going to see that you're coming back? How are we going to be able to see that you are coming back? What are some signs that are going to predict that you're coming back? And people have been asking that same question many, 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 many times. And people continue to ask that question. They want to know okay, so how do we know when Jesus is coming back? What are the signs for us? What's going to help us to be able to predict his coming? Listen to how Jesus starts to answer this question. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Isn't that interesting? Imagine going to your mom, guys. I called my mom the other day because I didn't know how to do something in the kitchen. Maria really like make supper. I'm like, oh boy, uh, better call mom. You know. And then later on, I want to make it look like I did it, but uh, I got caught. Um, imagine calling your mom, guys, and saying, "Hey, mom, how do you make a roast beef? You know, how, how do you make a roast? How do you do the whole roast thing? And and how do you make mashed potatoes? And and how do you make that schmuntfart, that gravy? How do you how do you make these things? And the first thing your mom says to you is, "Son." Don't be deceived. You know what that would say to you? There's wrong ways of doing it. There are other people going to try to tell you how to make a roast and how to make potatoes and how to make gravy and how to make all those things. And mom, who doesn't always know best, but mom is going to say to you, don't buy into the wrong answer. This is the biggest question of today. When's Jesus coming back? What are the signs? Let me say, back that up. This is the big question among Christians today. What are the signs of the end of the times? How are we going to know that Jesus comes back? And when Jesus comes back? And how are we going to be able to predict it? Jesus answers the question, don't be deceived. If you leave here today with nothing else from this sermon, I hope you get that. Don't. Be deceived. Watch out that no one deceives you. Verse 5. For many will come in My name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. I'm not sure if I should suggest this, but Google people who claim to be Jesus. And you are going to come up with a list of people who have claimed to be Jesus and who to this day claim that they are Jesus. There's a guy right now in Houston... He was in in Florida, and he got caught, and he got too much heat. And so now he moved to Houston, hoping that he's going to hide a little better. And this guy says, without a doubt, he says, I am the second coming of Jesus. What blasphemy! And Jesus warns here, Watch out, because people are going to come claiming uh, claiming to be me. And they are going to deceive many. And then he says this, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Now, hold on a second. When I listen to these guys that are predicting the end time, that's what they use right there. They always say, oh, when there's wars, and when there's rumors of wars, any day now, it's going to happen. Any day Jesus is going to come back. Be ready. And people have made huge financial decisions based on wars that are happening in the Middle East. And Jesus is saying here, don't be alarmed. The end is still to come. These things have to happen. But it's not the end yet. I lose myself all the time here. Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines er and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Now, in the last few years, we have heard and seen big earthquakes. And we have seen some huge, huge destruction from these earthquakes. But Jesus says here, these are the beginnings of, earth, uh, of birth pains. I remember when Maria came to me and she said, Ike, I think I'm having contractions with Simon this was, you know, Simon didn't know anything about this. So here you go, Simon. You're going to get a little history lesson on your entry into the world. And you were a pain. Um, but I love you, boy. She, we were driving home from someone's house and she says, I, I don't really know, because, you know, she's never had a baby before. And she says, I think I'm having contractions. You know, guys, we're like, Whoa! You know, And off we go, pack the bag and get everything ready. And, and you know, we say, like, calm down, I calm down. Let's go to sleep. I'm going to sleep. No way. You're having a baby. Because you know, when the contractions is hard, boom, the baby's going to be here any second. Now, little did we know that that little guy was going to take 54 hours before he was going to take his own breath. 48 of it walking back and forth in the hospital. Oh, it was hard. Almost died walking, 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 up the stairs, down the stairs. Man, I I was just like, any time now let this end, you know. It was difficult times for me. My wife, I think she had a pretty rough too, but, you know. Oh, you caught that. Good for you. Birth pains are not necessarily immediately the baby's out. The baby's born. And Jesus is saying here, and I want you to catch this. Because some people are saying, these are the signs, this is it, right now it's going to happen. Jesus is saying, this is the beginnings of birth pain. Biggest thing, do not be deceived. Verse 9, then, he gets a little bit more specific, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And they will, you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And here we go again. False prophets. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Again, the warning about being deceived. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come now let's just think about that for a moment verse 14 that is a verse that you do not too often hear when people are prophesying the end times usually what you hear is the gloom and doom. Wars and earthquakes and famines and destruction and despair. And all these are a sign of the end times. I love this verse because it shows once again that good prevails over evil. In other words, that when the Gospel is being preached all around the world, as a testimony to all nations, that is a clear sign of the end. Then the end will come. What that says to me is, God is not going to be, His hand is not going to be moved by the destruction that is in this world. God is never made to do anything. And just because you see horrible things happening in the world, it isn't God like going, oh my goodness, there's another earthquake, I better do something. Jesus is saying here, when the... Gospel is preached in the whole world that then the end will come. Verse 15. This is where it gets a little confusing. So when you see standing in the holy place, the temple, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Now what is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about? And again, I am not someone that can go into the full depths of all this, especially not with, with one sermon. Commentaries, they, they vary a little bit on the interpretation of some of this, but the one main thing that they all hold on to, is, and that is that Jesus here is predicting the fall of Jerusalem. He is predicting the temple will be desecrated. He is quoting Daniel chapter 11 verse 31 and Daniel chapter 12 verse 11. And in 167 B.C., before Christ, Antiochus deliberately desecrated the Jerusalem temple by setting up a pagan statue in the temple, on the temple altar. Then again, in 67-68 A.D., The Zealots also desecrated the temple. And then finally in A.D. 70, the Romans, they set a whole new standard. After the Romans conquered Jerusalem, they desecrated the temple again by completely changing how everything was done. And Jesus here is saying, when you see these things happening, listen to what He says for the people to do. Then let those who are in Jerusalem flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his clothes. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter because the roads would be completely blocked. Or on the Sabbath because the gates of the city would be shut and you wouldn't be able to buy resources. For then there will be great distress. Unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. So even in the midst of all this gruesome stuff that's happening, God is not absent and He cuts those days short. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Now if you read Josephus, he was a writer from back then, and he writes in great detail in his writings about the Jewish war with, with the Romans. And when you read about how the Romans laid siege to that city, the destruction and the despair, they were constantly ramming the walls and ramming and trying to burn down the gates. But the biggest thing they did was they did not allow, allow any resources in or out of Jerusalem. Ultimately what happened is they starved those people almost to death. And finally, when it got to be so too, too bad, they were able to overpower the city, and they walked in and they took over. And those times in Jerusalem were absolutely horrendous. And if you, don't, if you want to read it for yourself, pick up, I don't know if you can find them in the Leamington Library, but find the writings of Josephus. They're very interesting. And read them for yourself. Then Jesus gives a warning again. Verse 23, At that time, in this time of misery, at that time... If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there He is, do not believe it. Jesus is saying in these moments of despair, people are going to want a Messiah. They're going to want a Savior. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and they will perform great signs and miracles and deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. Then verse 26. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner room, do not believe it. What Jesus is saying here is, if someone tries to convince you that Jesus has come back already, don't believe it. He's not going to be out in the desert. He's not in Houston and only some people on the news know about it. He's not you know, in some inner room. When Jesus comes back, everybody's going to know. Verse 27, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, just like lightning is visible from everywhere, you will know when Jesus has come back. Some people believe that maybe He's come back and we just have missed it. No, you will know if He's come back. He goes on, he says, wherever there is a carcass, there vultures will gather. It's not something that goes unnoticed. I'm going to jump down a couple of verses. Verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and the nations of the earth will mourn. This is now giving us a bit of a glimpse of what we will see when the Son of Man comes. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky, with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end end of the heavens to the other. Then He gives this example from the fig tree. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs are tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so... When you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will, not pass, will, never, will pass away, but My Word will never pass away. And some of you are looking at me like, okay, so when's it going to happen? And if what you have heard me read from Scripture... And what you followed along from Scripture, and if the the whole time what you've been doing is looking and saying, okay, so when do we see, when do we get a prediction, when do we begin to understand when He is coming back? Can I say to you with all respect, I think you're missing the point. If we are reading Scripture regarding the end times and Revelation and Daniel and Matthew and and some of the other Gospels, and if we are reading these verses and all we want to be able to do is predict when, I think we're missing the point. I believe when I read these things and when I listen to what Jesus is saying here, His main purpose or His main theme would be to me is don't be deceived. The end is going to come. So, Don't worry about knowing exactly when, because you can't, but make sure that you are ready for when it happens. And don't be deceived so that you're believing things or or chasing after things or worrying about things that you don't need to worry about. Jesus Himself says in the very next verse, verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven. And here's the one that's most shocking maybe, nor the Son, capital capital S, but only the Father. Can you imagine, today, just being able to completely comfort yourself with the fact that there's no way of knowing when Jesus is going to come back. And all we are going to focus on, and all our energy is going to be put into this, we are going to make sure that we are ready for when He does. And we are going to make sure that others are ready for when He does. Jesus Himself says to these guys, uh, by the way, don't even ask me when. I can't tell you. I don't know. But you know the weird thing about that? Even though that's so clear in Scripture, that hasn't stopped people from trying to predict when it's going to happen. Edgar why isn't it? I think I'm saying that. Why isn't that? Let's just go with that. He sold 4.3 million copies of his little book detailing why Christ would come back in 1988. 88 reasons for 88. He predicted that December 31st, 1988, was the day. And he's not the first to pick a date. But this guy says, this is the day when Jesus is going to come back. Now, I was old enough at that time already to be deceived and to buy into it. Now, I was younger, so it didn't affect me nearly as much. But we heard stories back then of people no longer paying their bills. People no longer going to work. Why would you go to work if Jesus is coming back next week? Why not spend all your money and have some fun? Go on that last vacation because who cares? Who cares? Jesus is coming back. Give your kids everything they've ever wanted for Christmas because, and put it all on your credit card because you won't have to pay for any of it because Jesus is coming back on the thirty-first, and people bought into this stuff, and guess what? It didn't happen. Oh, seriously, somebody like what? No, I'm assuming you're like serious. Somebody like oh really? Didn't happen? No, it didn't happen. You're not living like third coming of Jesus. So then he didn't. You know, then he was shocked. He's like oh boy. So then he wrote. Another thing about how Jesus was going to come back in nineteen eighty nine, and guess what? It sold thirty thousand copies still. But that's a little down from four point three million. So now he sold thirty thousand copies, but again Jesus didn't come in nineteen eighty nine. He tried again and again, he he tried again in ninety three, he tried again in ninety four, he tried again in ninety seven, and every single time he was wrong. And yet people started losing interest. Here's what he said one day. He said, one day I will stand in front of the Lord and say, I gave it my best shot. But here's something else that he said prior to that. And listen to how he can deceive people. Only, this is him, quote, only if the Bible is in error am I wrong. Wrong. In other words, only if the Bible is false is my date wrong. And he said, I will say this to every preacher in town. Here's what I find most sad about this. Only after his predictions failed did people stop believing him. And yet the whole time, Scripture has been so clear that you cannot know. Why would 4.3 million people bypass what Scripture says and go buy a booklet because they were deceived? So 2012, apparently that's the next big thing now. And Christians, not all of them, but some Christians are freaking out. I talked to someone today and they're like, Oh great, finally, I can't wait, I'm looking forward to it. But some of you, maybe in this room, you're saying, oh, the end is coming, and, you know, and it could be there, and I would like to ask you, why does it worry you so much? Why does it alarm you so much? And the question is, maybe for you, is, is it because you're not sure about when exactly it's going to happen, or is it possible that the reason that alarms you so much is because you're not sure you're ready? How many of you remember Y2K? Remember? Doom and gloom again. The computers are going to crash. The computers are going to crash. And and some people immediately took this as, this is the end. This is the end right here. The computers are going to go down. And as the computers crash, civilization will come to an end. And nothing happened. And people use those times, those situations to say, this is the end. And they frightened many people. Scripture tells us so clearly that we cannot know when the end is. But now listen to what Jesus says after he's made this statement. He starts talking now about making sure that we're ready for when it happens. Verse thirty-seven. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the days of Noah, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40, Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill, One will be taken and the other left. Jesus is pointing out here, you're just not going to know. And, and like it was in the days of Noah, people didn't say, oh, you know, I see rain clouds. It was when Noah went into the ark, all of a sudden, boom. The warnings had been there. They had been told to be saved. They had been told to be ready. Get ready, get ready. This thing is coming. But for those who didn't believe, they saw no sign until it was too late. Verse 42, Jesus speaking to you and me. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Now, let's just say, we are told that on December 31st, 2012, some people are going to come and they're going to steal everything in your house. So you got over a year of warning. What would you do? You would get ready, wouldn't you? But what if someone were to come to you and say, someone's going to break into your house, and I don't know when. What would you do? You would get ready. And you would always be ready. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You don't know what day someone's going to come break into your house. You don't know what day Jesus is going to come back, but He's going to come back. So always be prepared. Always be ready. He gives another example. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give him their food at the proper time? It would be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing so when he returns. Jesus is saying here, okay, so if a master puts a servant in charge and he has him in charge of certain things, it would be good for that servant when the master comes back unexpectedly for the servant to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. Verse 47, I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possession. So there's a reward. If you're caught doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will be rewarded for your faithfulness. Verse 48, But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come back on a day when he does not expect him and at that hour when he is not aware of it. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to the places with hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The lesson here, for you and I today, is this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is saying here to this story about the servant, it's going to be a dreadful, dreadful day for the servant on that day if he's doing things he's not supposed to be, when he's not doing what he was told to, to do. And that servant is going to be punished severely. So are you ready? When you hear about the end times, are you looking forward to it with anticipation and saying to yourself, one day Jesus is going to finally come and take us to be with Him? Or does it frighten you? Maybe you're here then and saying, okay, so what do I do? Yeah, it does frighten me. I'm not sure if I am ready. I'm not sure what I should do. I'm not sure how I get ready. How do I prepare for this day? Peter answers this question in verses 28-38 to when the people had cried out and said, What shall we do? They realized, Oh my goodness, we've sinned. We've made a mistake. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here in this room today and you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm ready. If Jesus were to come back today, if Jesus were to come back at a time when I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Now I don't mean to be disrespectful with this, but the truth is this, you could choke on a hot dog today and your end would come today. You could drive home from this church today, and I don't mean to do this to scare you, but I'm just saying, the rapture is not the only way you can be taken off this earth. We all know of stories of people who have been taken from this earth suddenly. My question for us today is not, when's it going to happen? My question for us today is, are we ready for when it happens? And that's a question each one of you needs to answer. Or maybe you're like some people, they have accepted Jesus into their hearts. And they know they have. But they constantly, constantly question whether they're saved. Can I really know I'm saved? Can I really, truly live my life believing that yes, my security, my eternal life is secured in Christ? The answer is yes. Scripture answers that question clearly. Yes, you can. Remember in Luke and the Gospels, Jesus is hanging between these two other criminals. And one of them says this to him, Jesus, remember me when you, go, when you come into your kingdom. What does Jesus say to him? Ah, man, sorry. You know, there's no guarantee. I'm not sure. You know, I'll, I'll do my best. Jesus says this to him. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Why would Jesus say that if you couldn't know? Why would Jesus say that if it was somehow up in the air? So if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and you're constantly anxious and you're, you're constantly worried about you know if the end times come or if I pass away and what's going to really happen to me, I want to assure you today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and you're living for Him, your eternal life is secure. He will come and He will gather you together with all the rest. And you will, be, you will spend eternity with Him in heaven. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 it says this I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life But I want to turn our attention back just a little bit Are you sure you're ready We're not going to try to predict when it's not important Are you ready to meet Jesus? And if you're not, what's standing in your way? Fear of something? Knowledge that maybe you need to give something up? Lack of faith? Maybe you think it's too big of a challenge. Maybe you think you have to do all kinds of things in order to be saved. No, Jesus has done everything on your behalf. There's nothing other than responding that you need to do. If you're not ready today, would you be willing to pray and invite Jesus Christ into your heart? You want to know how's that done? You simply repent. You allow Jesus to to forgive you. And some people might think, well, there's too much to forgive. No, his death was enough. His death on the cross was enough for any sin you may have ever committed. If you're here today and you're saying, I just don't know if I'm going to heaven, if Jesus were to come back today or if I was to somehow not make it through this day, I'm not sure if I wouldn't be in heaven. Why don't you settle that here right now? Let's pray. Father God, we turn to You again and we thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for Your promises. And I thank You for Your faithfulness, God. Lord, at this time, I just call on You. Holy Spirit, I just pray, go through this room and nudge those people in this room who have never made a decision for You. And today they are sitting here and they're wondering if If the end would come, whether or not they're ready. I just pray, Holy Spirit, do your work among them. So I just say to you guys now, keep your heads bowed. If you're asking yourself, I'm not really sure, and I want to be sure. Let me just explain to you how this is done. And it's not just as simple as this. There's there's a lifestyle that needs to follow, but the decision is, is simple. You repent, which means you say something like this. You say, Jesus, I've done wrong. Forgive me. And then you ask Him to come into your life. And that would simply be something like, Lord, I have been leading my own life. I have been making decisions. I'm the one who's been in control. And Jesus, today I want to give you control. You lead my life. You determine what I do and what I don't do. If you want to pray that prayer right now, you just pray it. You simply say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. Forgive me. Come, lead me. It's not about me knowing who, but we would love to hear from you if you've, made, if you've said that prayer today. And Pastor Steve, Pastor Peter, Pastor Richard, myself, if this is a prayer that you said today, We would love to hear from you because you need people to gather around you and to encourage you. Father God, I know that you have heard the prayers of the people. And you have seen the hearts of everyone. And Lord, now as we close in this song, singing about taking us to the river, Lord, I pray that we can just in a loud voice proclaim the celebration that will one day happen where you will take us. You will take us through that river. We will receive our new bodies. We will spend eternity with you. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are the one who paid the price and that you did not leave us as orphans here and that you did not abandon us. You are coming back for your people, Lord. And I thank you for that. And I pray now as we begin here on earth just to celebrate. God, I pray that you would be lifted high and worshipped in all things. In your name I pray. Amen.